I was 11 years old the first time that I saw pornography. I came outside my house and there were some of the neighbor kids from next door and down the street and all boys, they were circled around and I kind of poked myself into the middle of the circle and they had a few ripped out pages from a pornographic magazine and they were debating on what we, now that I was a part of it, should do with it. Uh, Should we get rid of it or should we keep it? And that's the question I want to ask today, as awkward as it can be, what should the church do with pornography? You can see that question listed in your listening guide, which I'd love for you to take some, some notes today. What should the church do with pornography? Because it affects everyone, male, female, young, old, married, single, it affects grandparents, parents, kids. Just a few weeks ago, our son Jackson, who's 12, was going to a school field trip after school with the band that he's a part of. And we had to give him a pep talk before he left to say, if you find yourself among a circle of your friends and they have one of their smartphones out and are looking at images of pornography, here's what we want you to do. We want you to walk away. It might feel awkward, but we just want you to walk away. But we had to give him that pep talk because we are assuming at some point in the next few years, that's what he's going to see. It affects everyone. And it's not like coffee. It took me five years to become a daily coffee drinker because you have to acquire the taste. Everyone knows that it tastes gross on your first uh, drink. And only over time, when the caffeine is really working its uh, self, do you see the benefit of it and you become a daily coffee drinker. But pornography is the exact opposite of that. You can be totally free today and totally hooked tomorrow. It affects everyone and it affects everything. It affects your relationship with God. It affects your marriage. It affects your dating It affects your dating prospects. It affects the questions that you have to ask when you start dating someone for the first time. It affects the way you parent, grandparent. It affects our society. Every time that someone looks at pornography in the United States of America, America gets worse. We're not worried about America today. We're not worried about the world today, even though it is a worldwide problem. The question we are asking is, what should the church do with pornography? More specifically, what should this church do with pornography? Best case scenario, 60% of us looked at pornography in the last month. Maybe a more realistic statistic is that 75% of us, up to 80% of us, have viewed something pornographic in the last month. What should this church do with pornography? There's a lot of things that we could say. There are four things that I want to say, and you see those listed in your listening guide. The first one, what should we do about pornography? We should repent of our sins. How do I know that pornography is, in fact, sin? 1 John chapter 2 Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the world, but is from is not from God, but is from the world. This is how we know that pornography is sin, because the cravings of our flesh, the desires of our flesh, the desires of our eyes, which is exactly what 
pornography is, does not come from God, our Father, but in fact comes from the world. Jesus said it more explicitly when he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A couple of weeks ago, I got a fraud alert on my phone during church, and afterwards I called my bank and trying to figure out what was happening. And they began to walk me through a list of purchases that had been made recently. And the first seven or eight were 100% our family, but it got to one at a gas station in Texaco that was for $60 right on the money, 60 zero, zero. And I thought that was kind of strange. I didn't remember hitting it on the mark. You know, we used to do that when we were kids because we paid in this thing called cash, but none of us carry that anymore. So it doesn't really matter where your gas tank ends up. So I thought I would have remembered hitting the $60 right on the mark, but maybe not. And they said, well, did you do it last week too? Same amount, same place. And I was like, definitely not. And, and for weeks, this person who had cloned our credit card was, was charging the same amount at the same place at the same time. And that's what pornography does to us. It's a sin that systematically, patiently, and invisibly is stealing from us. It just seems like something that we can't resist in the moment. But the truth is, is it's, it's robbing us. And it is sin, and that's why we have to repent of it. Now, repentance comes in three parts. The first part is acknowledging that we've done something wrong, that we have sinned against God, and we've sinned against someone else made in the image of God. The second part is a brokenness that comes with that sin. Sometimes when our kids are fighting, we immediately interject ourselves and we say to them very quickly, and apologize to your brother, or to your sister. And they do, but clearly they don't mean it. They haven't even had time to mean it. They didn't want to stop fighting in the first place. We just made them. And then we made them say they were sorry. But repentance is, is not just, I'm sorry because that thing was wrong. It's a it's a brokenness that I feel. I'm sick to my stomach. I can't sleep. I think about this. I've, I've wronged God. I've wronged someone else. I, I can't just move on. And God lets us feel that way because it drives us to the third part of repentance, which is a commitment to change. And with pornography, if you're a Jesus follower, I'm guessing that at some point you've realized this is wrong. This is not good. I should not be viewing these things, watching these things. Occasionally, we'll get to the second part, and I feel bad about that. I feel a brokenness about it. But rarely do we get to the third part, which is I am committed to change. Because that's the challenging thing about change, is there have to be changes in order for there to be change. Most of us want God to wave a, wave a, wave a magic wand over us in this issue, and it will no longer be relevant. But you have to be committed to making the changes in order for there to be change to come. And I know repentance sounds like such a heavy word, an aggressive church word, but it's actually a gift. Repentance is a gift that God gives us because only through repentance can we receive the holistic forgiveness that we need. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Psalm chapter 51. King David has committed adultery with Bathsheba and he sinned against God, he sinned against her. She became pregnant. And because he was the king, he had the power to cover up 
covered up and he had her husband Uriah accidentally assassinated. And now they were able to get married. No one would really question the timing of the pregnancy. It would just kind of get washed away and he was going to get away with it. But God knew and God told a prophet named Nathan and Nathan came to David and confronted David. And at the end of that confrontation, David acknowledged, I've sinned against God felt the brokenness that came from that sin and then was committed to, to change. And we see that in Psalm chapter 51, which is his psalm of repentance after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite. And we see the benefits of repentance, which is why repentance is, a good, good, is good news to us today. In verse two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. When God forgives us, get, forgives us we become clean before him. Verse six, behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. If you're looking at pornography today and you feel stuck there, I'm guessing you feel like a hypocrite. You've come to sing the songs and say the prayers and open up the scripture and yet you know that you're not true all the way through. But with forgiveness, we can be clean and truth can get all the way in into our inward parts. Verse eight, let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. When we have forgiveness, we experience joy again. And in verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. We experience closeness with God when we've been forgiven by God. He doesn't forgive us and then hold a grudge against us, which is how we forgive. I wanna forgive you and then I really never wanna see you again. But God doesn't do that. He forgives and he brings us close. And, and I'm guessing if you are stuck in pornography today, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or you're old, married or not married, I'm guessing it's been a long time since you've experienced these four things, that you felt clean before God, that you felt true on the outside and the inside, that you've experienced lasting and abiding joy and you felt close to God. But he wants to restore these things to you if you've experienced them before. And if you've never experienced these things before, he wants to give them to you as a gift. But you first have to open the gift of repentance. We can't skip that step. What are we going to do about pornography? We're going to repent of our sins. Number two, we're going to renew our minds. Doctors and scientists speak with authority now that when you look at pornography, your brain changes a little bit. So when you watch a lot of pornography, your brain, brain is changing a lot. So literally, every time you look at pornography, you are becoming a different person. And that different person is a little bit less and less and less each time from the person that God wants you to be. That's why our minds need to be renewed. But like I said, most of us are looking for a quick fix. Renewing our minds take time. It takes energy. It's not a microwave. So we're looking for a quick fix. And for a lot of us, we're all, uh, not all, I'm not, I guess I'm not young anymore, but I was once. We're young and we're single and we think marriage is the finish line. And once I get there, then this pornography that I've struggled with for as long as I can remember, the average age of viewing pornography for, for the first time is between nine and 11 years old. So most of us can't remember a time in our life where it was not a part of our life when I get to marriage, then it won't be relevant anymore. I'm going to have a channel for all this desire that I have. And well, that's just not true. Because uh, there's a difference between desire and lust. Lust doesn't just shake off you when you get married. In fact, when you get married, you don't become a different person. 
Just the person that you are is more obvious to everybody. So if you're dating right now and you're hoping that this person changes when you say I do, they won't. In fact, you're getting ready to be really acquainted (laughs) with who they are. So marriage is not the finish line for pornography. There is no quick fix. We have to have our minds renewed, our minds changed, not to the way they were before pornography started to change them, but to actually something better, something higher standard that God has for us. We see that standard in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 pivotal passage in talking about the renewing of our minds. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Before our minds can be renewed, we need to offer up our lives as living sacrifices. In the Old Testament, when they wanted to worship God, they would go to the temple and they would offer a physical sacrifice, a bull or a ram or a goat or a dove. And that was their act of worship. But in the New Testament, God doesn't delight in those kinds of sacrifices. He wants something a little bit more costly to us, our own lives. Our our lives become the sacrifice, not a dying sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. That's why today we're concentrating on this issue of pornography because it's so relevant and it's so secret among us, but it's not the only issue. In fact, it may feel like I don't have any power over this. I don't really have any hope to change. Well, one place you can start is where else in your life is not aligned with what God wants? This is not just one issue. And if you fix that, then everything else will fall into place. Start by obeying God and maybe some of the smaller things. Are you obeying God in the way you spend your money and the way you give your money? Are you obeying God in the the language that you say? Are you obeying God in the way that you treat people? Are you obeying God in the way that you interact with the poor? Because if our lives are a living sacrifice, then we want every part of our lives to be offered up to him. And when that happens, our minds are renewed And then our lives are transformed, which is what we need. This is not a message of, if you want to stop pornography, read your Bible and try hard. We need something more than that. We need to be changed. It's metamorphosis. It's the caterpillar going into the cocoon and coming out a butterfly. That's really our only hope today is that God will change our lives, transform them by his supernatural power. And how does he do that? He does that through the renewing of our minds. And when our lives are transformed, it says in Romans chapter 12, that we'll be able to know what God's will is for us, which is what really raises the stakes on pornography. It's not that what we're viewing is wrong and we just need to stop doing it because it's wrong. It's actually distorting how we're able to tell what God wants from us, which especially if you are young today, think about all the decisions that you are making right now. Who are you gonna date? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live When are you going to have children? How will you raise those children? How terrifying would it be to make those kinds of decisions and because of pornography, not be able to know for sure that you are hearing accurately the voice of God? Because how do we know what God's will is? Through the renewing of our minds, our lives are transformed. We're able to test and see what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we renew our minds? Titus chapter three, verse five 
tells us that renewal comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living in us, a gift from Jesus. That's why we talk about Jesus as though he's here with us and not far away because he's given us his Spirit who lives inside of us. Renewal comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it comes from the renewing of our mind. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, tell us what we should do with our minds. It says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So Colossians tells us if we want our minds renewed, we need to give our minds new targets. We need to set our minds on new targets. If the old targets have led you to pornography, find new targets that will lead you to Jesus. So find new TV shows to watch. If those TV shows are gateways into pornography, Find new movies to watch. You might say, yeah, but all the, all the good movies with the good writing and the good stories, they're all rated R or those TV shows that win all the awards, they're rated M. I don't want to give that up. But remember at what's at stake. More than just this is what I'm supposed to do. Knowing the will of God. How many of us have been so disappointed by our church experience because we come, we sing the songs and we pray the prayers and we read the scripture and yet it feels like God is a million miles away. Think about what you might be willing to give to interact and experience God himself. Is there any price that would be too high? No. So giving up that show is not a big deal. That's a child's price. You give your mind new targets if you want to go to a new place. You want to keep going to the same place, then keep thinking about the same things. Our minds have to be renewed. Number three, what should the church do about pornography? We should be ruthless in godliness. Verse five of Colossians chapter three, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Pornography fits neatly into each of those categories. Remember that the New Testament was not written in English. We're reading a translation of the language it was originally written in, which is Greek. And when we read the English phrase sexual immorality, it's just one Greek word. And that Greek word is pornea. Pornography literally since the first century has been sexual immorality. It is covetousness. It is looking at an image and saying, I'm going to use that image as though it was mine. It is evil desire. It's looking at someone who was made by God in God's image who is loved by God, who Jesus died for and says, I'm going to use this person for my own sake. If it's neatly into all of these categories, and that's why we have to put it to death, it says. We have to execute pornography from our lives. Another place in the New Testament says that we need to crucify our flesh. Too many of us are too gentle with our addictive sins. Because they're like old friends. They've been around as long as we can remember. They're there for us when no one else is. We turn to it when we're lonely. We turn to it when we're sad. We turn to it when we're depressed. We turn to it when we don't know what to feel. 
We turn to it when we're bored. We turn to it when no one is calling us. And so it's no wonder that addictive sins feel like old friends. But they're not. There is no room for gentleness with pornography. It needs to be executed, crucified, and put to death. A few things that we need to remember. First, it's not just enough to say, I'm going to stop. We can't just rid our lives of pornography. We have to make sure that our lives are filled with something. That's what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 11. When he said in verse 24 about someone who is demon possessed, but I think the principle works here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. It's not enough just to clean our lives. We have to fill our lives and we need to be ruthless about filling our lives with godliness to replace the pornography. So a few simple things that I think that we can do in response today. First, we need to cut off and cut out anything that causes us to stumble. Cut off and cut out anything that causes us to stumble. That's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter five, verse 27 We read earlier, have you heard that it was said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than the whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, I don't think that Jesus would advocate for you actually cutting off your hand today. I just want to be super clear about that. I do think he would be supportive about you throwing your computer away, though. I know we're living in 2019. Some of you would rather rather cut your hand off than to lose your MacBook. But if you're MacBook causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your iPhone is a vehicle for pornography, take it back to the store and buy a flip phone. They're $12 at Walmart. $30 a month. Some of you can save some money and save your life. I'd love to see a movement here at Bayou City of flip phones and old school Nokias. You think, well, that's, that's about 15 steps too far. I just can't do that. Can you imagine what they would say about you at work? Imagine what your friends would do. Yeah, they would say that you were ruthless in godliness. What price is too high for freedom? Because it can't be change unless there are changes. What if you just decided right now 
never going to see a movie again that has nudity. I'm never going to watch a TV show that has nudity. Even if it's wrapped in an Oscar-worthy story. What if you just made that decision right now? What if you made the decision right now? I am going to crush this phone because it is crushing me. Say, I can't live without it. We've proven that we can't live with it. What price would you not be willing to pay to be free? Second thing that we can do today is we can begin to invest in real relationships. The relationship that we have with pornography is an imaginary relationship. And there is no real relationship that can live up to the standard of our imagination. So if you are single today and viewing pornography, men or women, you are creating a standard for a future spouse that they will never be able to live up to. That's actually why less and less young people are getting married because the real thing is not as good as the imaginary thing. But that's just the thing, it's imaginary, it's not real. Stop investing in your computer screen and start investing in a real person. You may say, well, I don't have anybody to invest in. Invest in your friends. Start by becoming a really amazing friend. If you're dating, be an amazing boyfriend or girlfriend who lives with integrity and righteousness and godliness and purity. If you're engaged, say, I'm going to be the one in this relationship to draw the line, not based on how close we can get, but how close together we can get to our Lord. Invest in your marriage. Become the best, most romantic husband that you can be. Invest in what's real and not what's in imaginary. And the third thing that we can do today is we can bring our lives out into the light. That's where pornography lives. Pornography lives in the dark because secrets are the hiding place for sins. And if you don't have any secrets, it's harder to have sins. Now today, if we confiscated all of your iPhones, we're not that kind of church, but if we were, and we said, show us your browser history, would you be okay with that? And not because you had gotten in there and cleaned it out, but just the way it is. Would you be okay with that? If you gave your email passwords to the person sitting next to you, said, check it, see what's in there. Would you be okay with that? If you let somebody scroll through all of your text messages, if you handed somebody over the computer and it's password, because that's where we wanna get to. We wanna get to the place where we have no secrets. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. This means that we're honest. We're not trying to hide things because it's in the hiding things that pornography lives. So I'm gonna bring my life out into the light. Uh, Two things that you can do today as a first step, and they can be challenging, but what price is too high for this kind of freedom? And just a second, I want you to write down this email address. Actually, I want you to write it down right now. It's help at bayoucityfellowship.com. 
And if you are struggling with pornography today and you don't wanna be struggling with pornography a month from now, I want you to email this email address. There'll be some men who are checking emails from men and women who are checking emails from women. Just as a way to say, I'm getting this out of the, into the light. I'm getting it out of my mind and out of the secrecy of my apartment and my computer and I'm getting it out in, my light, in the light. Here is who I am and here's what I'm struggling with. That's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do is, you know, we end all of our services with prayer after the sermon. We're not gonna do that today because it maybe would feel a little bit awkward. Like coming forward is a confession that you're struggling with pornography. And uh, I will say what price is too high for freedom. But uh, I was thinking about you and I said, let's not do that. Let's just be cool about it and not do that. So we're gonna end the message with communion. But at the very end, when everybody is leaving, our prayer folks are gonna be up here in the front and I'm gonna invite you to come and pray about a million different things. So nobody will know if you're coming to pray about this specific issue. There'll be men up here to pray with men, women up here to pray with women. And I'd encourage you right now to take that bold step. Be like, I'm gonna linger around. Hundreds of people are exiting. Nobody, I'm not the center of anybody's attention. Nobody's gonna be thinking about me anyway. I'm just gonna go down. I'm gonna ask somebody who I don't know, total stranger to pray for me. And I know that feels like a big step, but there can't be change without changes. And this may be the first change that somebody else would know where you're at. And they're gonna pray for you. That the supernatural power of God would begin to renew your mind and transform your life. And the last thing in your listening guide, repeat. Repeat. Because this is not a one-time thing. Every day, we're gonna repent of our sins, no matter what they are. Every day, we're gonna renew our minds. And every day, we're going to be ruthless in godliness. We're gonna do it today. We're gonna do it tomorrow. We're gonna have to do it the day after that. Walking away from pornography is not just a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision for the rest of your life. But here's the thing. The decision will get easier and easier and easier and easier. It doesn't always have to be as hard as it's going to be in the next few days. As your mind is renewed, you'll begin to want the things that God wants. You'll still have to decide every day, this is not who I am and this is not what I do. We'll have to repeat it. I'm 11 years old in a circle of young men deciding what we're gonna do with those two ripped up magazine pages. Should we keep it or should we get rid of it? And we took a vote. We decided that we were going to burn it. It didn't need to be burned, but we were boys. (laughs) Might just throw something away when you can light it on fire. So the, really the ringleader of the group and the one who was advocating for good decision-making was a couple years older. He went into his house, got a lighter or some matches, and we walked down to the end of our street. And at the end of our street, there was an old grain silo. I lived in Missouri. It's weird there. And, and and so we went down there to burn it. And a couple of the guys who voted to keep it, they didn't come with us. And we crawled into that grain silo, abandoned grain silo, and, and we lit it on fire. And man, I thank God. I thank God for Matt Young, my neighbor, two years older than me, who was the one who was saying, we got to burn it. 
Because who knows what path I might've been on if we had voted to keep it. What are we gonna do with pornography? We're gonna burn it before it burns us. Because the stakes are high and there's hope. Let's pray.